Take your Bible, please, and turn today to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 through 9 is our passage, Hebrews chapter 12. We are continuing in our series, The Battle for Your Family, today looking at the battle for proper parenting. Here's the key concept this morning, God cares about our kids. God cares about our kids, but parenting is tough. Some of you have been there a while, maybe now your grandparents. Grandparenting is tough, but God cares about our kids. Irma Bombeck, some years ago, wrote about the task of raising children, and she, and she made the analogy that raising children is a lot like flying a kite on a calm day, right? If you've ever tried to do that, you know, it's, she says, it's all first all about mom and dad frantically running around, pulling this little cutie along. And the kite, like a kite on a calm day, the child is not so inclined to get off the ground, not so inclined to lift up, and everything relies on the efforts of the parents. And eventually, with some effort, they manage a bit of height, but with a bit of height and with a bit of freedom also comes danger, right? And in this metaphor, the electric wires and the trees symbolize all the dangers of our child's first flights of freedom. But soon, the breeze kicks up, and the kite wants to fly, to fly upward, and it pulls on the string. And then there comes a moment when, as fast as the parents can let out that string, that little kite wants to fly, and soon they come to the end of the string, and they're dangling on the end of that string, and Dad's on tippy toes, not really wanting to let go. But soon, off it goes, and eventually... The kite flies away into the beautiful sky, and mom and dad watch their baby take off on new flight, and they reflect back and they say, it was a lot of work. I am tired, but proud, proud of them, what they have done. And they say to themselves, where did the years go? And all through that process, like flying that kite, there's a delicate balance that has to be struck a balance of pulling back and releasing, a balance of allowing to fly and gain new height and then, and then steering away from dangers, holding down just a little bit until the conditions are right. And if the balance is lost, the kite, the child, won't fly right. The author to the Hebrews connects the kind of discipline and parenting that we get from our heavenly Father with the way we are to parent and discipline our, our human children. He says it this way in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7. He says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are, an, are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? God, our Heavenly Father, in His proper parenting gives us discipline and we ought to parent our children that way. But parenting is tough. But children need discipline. Your children and grandchildren need discipline. All children need discipline. Three boys went to their mom and asked as her birthday was approaching, Mom, what do you want for your birthday? And she looked down with this motherly smile, just wisdom beaming from her face, and she said, what I would like is three well-behaved little boys. And they said, Mom, we don't have room for three new kids in this house. 
Kids need discipline. And here's the thing about parenting. Children are not thankful for your faithful, proper parenting and discipline. They do not see it as the result of love for you, and that's what makes it difficult to set boundaries and to uh, properly parent. I never once heard from my children, thank you for teaching me manners so that I will one day grow up to be an adult that other people want to be around. Never heard that. I never heard, thank you for training me in responsibility so that I can one day in my future achieve in, in, in school and in work. I never heard, thank you for making me clean my room and put away my toys and make my bed. All of this will one day help me see that as I take care of my possessions, they will last. I never heard that. But what I did hear was impatient sighs, sounds of sulking, excuse-making, and Sylvia and I often saw the rolling of the eyes. Kids need discipline. And why do they need discipline? Because kids are sinners, cute, cuddly, adorable little sinners. <laughs> Our children are victims of the curse just like we are. They have that sin nature within them. Even my practically perfect in every way granddaughter is <laughs> a little sinner. I'll tell you about it. I'm going to tell you a story, all right? She's just, just turned one. And uh, now she's walking, but the last time they were at our house, she, she was just kind of toddling a little bit and not, not walking in that well. So when she really wanted to go fast, she got down and scurried on all fours. And we have a fireplace insert in our house. It's a gas-burning insert in the fireplace. And we tell her not to touch that because often, often that's hot, right? And so she, she's told not to touch that. No sooner did they get in the house, they put her down, she gets down, and she scurries over to that fireplace insert, reaches her little hand out, and then turns back to look at us. Like, are you checking this out? I'm just about to touch. All right? I mean, really. We all said, this kid's a sinner. <laughs> and our children are victims not only of the curse that's within, but also the curse that is all around us in our world. The average child in the U.S. watches more than 200 hours of television commercials a year. 200 hours of commercials. And every moment of those 200 hours, they're learning, be discontent. If you only had more stuff, you would be better. Next week, we're going to talk about social media and the impact that that has on our young people. The message there is, be discontent with the way you look and the life that you lead. And parents, the boundaries that you set for your family protects your children from themselves and from the culture all around them. They need discipline. But what is discipline? When I use the word this morning, I'm not saying they need punishment. I mean, sometimes maybe. But really, I'm saying they need to be trained. They need to be guided. They need to be directed. Your family is a training camp for righteous living. It's a training school for righteous thinking, and it is a training ground for good choices that your children will need to be able to make all through life when you're not around. You represent parents and grandparents, God's authority in the home, and you are called to use proper discipline so that your children will grow up to be self-disciplined adults who have retained your values. That is your goal, parent that your child will grow up to be self-disciplined adult who retains your values. 
Because what would it be if after 18 and 20 years of raising your child, you're able to look back at those childhood years and say, you know what, we did an excellent job of regulating the behavior of this child. But on the inside, they never have adopted for themselves the principles that are behind your rules. They never really saw the why of the direction that you were giving them and of the instruction that you were sharing. And you have gained nothing if they don't have the adopting of that value system, for they do not have the power nor the desire to stand up against sin. Proper parenting is about bringing the principles of faith, the principles of wisdom and the truth of God's grace and mercy into the life of your child so as a self-disciplined adult they walk the faith. That's our goal as Christian parents. But it's hard. Paul warns us a bit about the difficulty. He talks to fathers here in Ephesians 6, 4, but it could be fathers or mothers. He said, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So how do you do that? How do you guide and parent and not exasperate? I'm going to give you a few pointers here today. Pointer number one. This goes for parents, grandparents, any position you're in when you have influence and setting boundaries. Seek to share the why behind the no when you have to say no. Share the why. A lot of parenting is, send, is setting boundaries. And that means rules. And that means you will say no from time to time. It will come out of your mouth, and that's okay. Children need boundaries. If you are one of those parents who have decided in your mind's eye, well, I'm going to raise my child without ever saying no to them, you've got to think again. Because setting boundaries is part of parenting. But exasperation comes when in the rules of their, your home, they seem to be arbitrary or they seem to be trivial. When they are inconsistently applied and discipline seems to be a feature more of the mood of mom and dad than in an actual value system at work. That's exasperating. The hard task of Christian parenting is to tie a vision of God's standards and God's principles into the way we live in this house. You have to go beyond, we don't do that, to we don't do that because this is what God says about that. This is why we don't do that or why we do this. What I'm talking about is taking the principles of righteousness, of purity, of witness that we see in the Word of God and allowing them to be those underlying foundation for the rules of our, of our home, talking to our children about what a wonderful, powerful thing it is to live seeking to please God and reflecting in our standards in our homes that this is why we have standards and values. So why will I not let you go to that party where there's going to be drinking? Number one, because it's unsafe. Number two, because you are easily influenced even with your best intentions, and I know that. Number three, because things happen at parties like that that are inappropriate and impure, and I don't want you around those things. Number four, you and us as a family have a reputation for Jesus' sake to guard. 
Why will I not let you run outside and play after dinner instead of doing your homework? One, I love you and I have a responsibility to help you do well. Two, in the unsupervised hours, especially when it's dark, kids get into trouble and I don't want that for you. Three, right now, your job is school and I want you to do that job well so you're not going to be limited in the future. We need to say why behind the no and tie it to a standard beyond us. And then we need to let the kids see God's grace make a difference in the way things happen in this home, in the way that we live the parent's life. God's grace in my life changes the way I watch TV. It changes the way I go to the movies and what movies I attend. It changes the way I use my money, the way I use my time, the language that I use. All of this is altered because I have been touched by the grace of God. And your kids need to see that in action. A life that's seeking to honor God. So they will understand as you seek to apply those standards to them that there's a reason that is not arbitrary and not trivial. Number two, to not exasperate our children. Make sure you don't discipline based on a desire for your own comfort and your own convenience. In other words, don't make the way, parents, that you enforce the rules of your home all about you and the way you feel in the moment. That is exasperating. Think back to when you were a child. Maybe you can remember a situation where you could hear mom and dad in an argument downstairs. And you knew in the back of your mind that since mom and dad are in an argument downstairs, what I need to do is I need to go tidy up my room. Not because my room is such a big mess, but because when they're in that state of argument against each other, any little problem becomes a big problem based on the mood that they're in. Maybe you can relate to that. And if you grow up in an alcoholic home, you multiply that feeling by a hundred times because you knew as you walked in the house, you need to get a sense of what the mood of the house was in to know what rules would be enforced and how they would be enforced. Mood-based discipline, inconsistent, will undermine your credibility and the respect that you should have in the eyes of your kids. If I had to put it in one sentence, I would say this. One of the key secrets to training your children in righteousness without exasperating them is simply to remember parents, grandparents, we need to be the grown-ups in the home. We can't act like oversized teenagers longing for just self-indulgence. When we live that way ourselves, that kite will not fly right. It'll crash. But thirdly, remember this. Relationships trump rules. We need rules in the home. We need boundaries. But relationships are where it's at. One dad tells the story of wrestling with his 10-year-old son. They had a, uh, a relationship where they kind of had fun roughhousing together and, and playing around and wrestling on the floor. And in this particular time, dad made a move that for, for whatever reason, the son just went flying across the room, landed with a thud. And for a few horrified seconds, the dad thought to himself, oh my goodness, I really hurt him. Maybe he's got a, a concussion or something. You know, I can imagine Child Protective Services being called. But that kid jumped up and said, Dad, that was great. Let's do it again. And he thought to himself, this is the same kid 
who dissolves into tears at a slight spanking because of bad behavior. The same kid. See, it's not about the force. It's, it's about the relationship. It's about the fact that the dad who plays with me is also the dad who corrects me and the dad who loves me, and I trust in that love. And often that is the simple fact that matters most as you enter the teenage years where the boundaries are tested. Relationships. Simply put, Christian parents, Christian grandparents, we are called to a higher standard if we're going to raise kids that, in a way that connects them to God's purpose for their lives. Our standards need to be clear and need to be higher than what we see around us in our culture. What are those standards? One of them is this. Train your child to respect and honor authority. Because that starts in the home and that continues through life. Exodus 20 verse 12, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land that your, your God is giving you. We train our children to respect and honor authority because it is essential to the Christian life to respect and honor the authority of the Lord, the authority of the Word of God. It's essential to living a life that's going to be successful in general. Lovingly discipline your, chi your child for attitudes of rebellion so that you avoid actions of destruction later on. Respect and obey authority. Number two, teach your children and your grandchildren to say, I'm sorry, and to apologize when they do wrong. Learning to feel remorse, learning to apologize and to follow a pathway of repentance and ask forgiveness is an essential Christian life skill. You never outgrow that because you never get perfect. And there will always be something for which we will need to be able to summon that capacity to be repentant and to seek apology. And mom and dad, the truth is that when your children see that in you, they begin to grow up like that. It's a lifelong quality. It takes humility. But in Proverbs 11, verse 2, it says this, with humility comes wisdom. It is wise to have that humility that says, I'm sorry. That was wrong. I did that wrong. I handled that poorly. I'm going to try to do that over again. When your kids see that in you and you teach that in them, you are arming them for a life that honors the Lord. Thirdly, we need to teach our children to learn to sympathize with those who are hurting and to care about the needs of others. Once again, that's a higher standard that connects to the Christian life. Training our children to care not make, making sure we don't model a closed-minded, bigoted, judgmental attitude that only looks out for number one. Well, as long as it's not affecting me, I don't care about it at all. An attitude that sees everybody else's need as everybody else's problems, I'm not going to get involved. But the golden rule is do to others as you would have them do unto you. And that needs to be a part of the fabric of our families, to care, to reach out, to make a difference in terms of the needs you know about and the needs that you hear about for those around you. And fourthly, children should come to know that Jesus loves them. And they should know that the fact that Jesus loves them is the greatest self-esteem message of all time. See, here's what I see sometimes we do 
poorly. We want our kids to come to church. We want our kids to participate in the children's programs and in the youth programs and this kind of thing. But we begin to make it such that doing those kinds of things is out of duty. But your self-esteem is built in the things of the world. So out of duty, we do our, 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 our uh, things within, in the circle of the Lord, but we gain our self-esteem by achievement elsewhere in sports or other kinds of activities. And that's what we really celebrate as esteem building. And as a result, what happens is it gets out of balance in terms of what is really the self-esteem message, the message, God loves you. I love you. The message, you can be a child of God forever, is the most life-affirming message of all. From that platform, this is why we participate in the things of the Lord, because we are greatly loved by God. And since we are greatly loved by God, we can share that love with others and grow in that grace. And that's what creates an eternity of blessing for us. That message is the most affirming message of all. From that platform, Christ followers are able to go through life with confidence and hope. Show your kids and your grandkids what a loving follower of Jesus Christ looks like. Teach them to follow Him in, in action. And above all, above all, pray for your kids. Pray for your grandkids. Pray for your nieces. Pray for your nephews. Pray against the influence of Satan against the influence of a sinful world. Pray that God would protect them and show them His way. Beg God for their future. You know why? Because God cares about those kids. He loves those kids. And He's listening for those prayers. And He will respond. We rejoice in the fact that God cares about the way that we influence our children through proper parenting. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank You that You've called us into a family of families, and we need to influence our children in the proper way, our grandchildren. So, Lord, we pray that you would give us wisdom in so doing. Keep us diligent. For those of us who are in the midst of the child-rearing years, give us stamina, because sometimes it is just easier not to set those boundaries. But, Lord, we know that you care about that. So enable us to be consistent. Enable us to, to do so with wisdom and enable us to be motivated by an understanding of your word and to communicate that to those around us. Help us do that, we pray, for our kids are at stake and we know you love them. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.